Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information about Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. And now, here's Cynthia. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today, we are going to be talking about the concept of boundaries and what boundaries are, what they are needed for, what happens when we don't have them. And so this is a really important part of relationships and having successful intimate relationships is this need for boundaries. And this has a lot to do with how I'm going to be interacting with other people and what experience they're going to have of me and how I'm going to experience them. So what I want to start out is giving you just this, this one line, this, uh, this quote that I believe is from Pia Melody. Um, and I love the way that this set, what this says. It says, what I value, I will protect. What you value, I will respect. This is a perfect way to understand boundaries. Boundaries are about me, what, the things that I value, my being, my things I own, my job, my friends, my family, these, whatever that I value, I will protect. That's what boundaries do. And then what I'm going to do for you is what you value, I will respect. So I'm not going to put any judgment on what you value or what you don't value or why you do it or don't do it. It's it, part of being an, a trustworthy, safe person in relationship is if it's valuable to you, then I'm going to respect it and I'm going to take it seriously. So this concept of boundaries, it's certainly complex because it can feel very nebulous. So I'm going to try to make this concept as simple as possible and, and hopefully easy to implement into your life and relationships. So maybe we'll say this is boundaries made easy or something. I believe that the easiest way to understand the concept of boundaries is to think of it as self-control. This is not about controlling others. This is just like I can't make them do anything. They can't make me do anything. So this is not about being a controlling person. This is about me controlling me. And so I control what comes in and what goes out of me. I control how far I go. I control how far I will allow others to go in relation to me. So this is usually seen as a tolerance issue. So how tolerant am I going to be for certain things has, has a lot to do with boundaries. So boundaries are about me exercising choice. That's what that's about. This is, when I'm setting boundaries, have boundaries, that's really where my own personal choice lies and causes me to feel much more in control of me and my world because I'm making choices about me. I'm not making choices for other people. I'm simply, this is, this is about how I exercise choice. So lastly, this whole issue about boundaries has a lot to do with my words. So is my no truly no? Is my yes truly yes? Do I accept and respect another's no? Do I say what I mean and mean what I say? So these are very big indicators of whether or not someone has healthy boundaries. If I say no, do I truly mean no? Or can I be talked in or out of it? Am I not sure of it? Do I say no first because I, I, I don't really know what I want to do and so I want to make sure that no one's pushing me, so I'm going to say no and then relent later? 
Is my yes truly yes? So if I say yes to you, do I really mean yes or do I mean yes because I feel guilty? Or yes because I want you to like me or yes because I don't want you to be mad at me? Or yes because I'm manipulating to get some other need met? And so I also want to realize, do I accept and respect another person's no? So if they say no, is that somehow for me uh, a cue to to start putting the sales salesman pitch in and I'm going to talk them in or out of something? Or I'm going to relentlessly bug them or I'm going to try to say, well, can we just like morph it a little bit or manipulate it a little bit? And so when someone says no, I want to respect that. That's part of being a safe person. And then I want to make sure that I'm practicing as best as I can, that I say what I mean and what I mean I say. So that when I'm saying something to somebody, they don't have to have to read into it and figure out what it is I'm saying. I'm not like talking in code or cloaked phrases that I'm truly meaning what I say and saying what I mean so that they can trust either the request or the statement, uh, the compliment, the confrontation. They can trust that that's really what it is. There isn't anything behind it. So the following scriptures help us to see this concept of boundaries and the need for them. And this is in Matthew thirty-six forty-two. And it's the Message Bible uh, has this phrase above it. It says it's empty promises. And so in, in verse 33, it says, and don't say anything you don't mean. This counsel is embedded deep in our traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it, or saying, God be with you and not really meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. So just say yes. And no, when you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. So the, the writer here is talking about in the, in the spiritual realm, but we can use that in, the, in all the other realms as well. That I make things worse when I'm, when I'm doing a smoke screen and trying to make something sound better than what it is or make something worse than what it really is. And so in Proverbs, we have in Proverbs twenty five twenty eight, it says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. So this is a great example of a city whose walls are broken through that is similar to a person who lacks self-control. When I don't have good boundaries, that's me having no self-control. I'm, I'm going to be like um, water that, that's not contained in a glass. And if you've ever tried to clean up water that's spilled on the table, it just goes everywhere. And so that glass creates a boundary to contain that water. So that water is now safe to use. It's now helpful. And so when we don't have boundaries, we're like water. We just like go everywhere and people are trying to contain us. So boundaries contain me. And Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 24, this says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what we find is that the ending one, self-control, is because it is clarifying and containing and supporting all the ones before. If I don't have self-control, I will not have love, or I won't be able to act in love very well. I will not have joy. I will not have peace. Forbearance will be very difficult. I won't be very kind, probably. There won't be some goodness or faithfulness or gentleness. So when I practice having self-control, I'm even creating a container for all the fruits of the Spirit. And so again, what I value, I will protect. What you value, I will respect. So boundaries and barriers or walls are very different. Boundaries are, like we said, our own private space. And walls are the things that keep people out in a destructive manner. So it keeps me and it keeps that other person from having any intimacy at all. So one of the ways I describe this to, to clients many times is I, 
I, we're sitting in my office, and there's a wall that has a door. So there's three walls and then a wall with a door. And the three walls are that. They, they are impenetrable. And I say to them, you know, if, if you had to get through that wall to see me, it would be a lot of wreckage and damage. It would be very difficult. But that wall with the door is a great example of a boundary. But see, it's, it's very safe. It keeps people from coming in while I'm having a session. And so it, it creates a great arena for safety. And at the same time, it's very easy to move in and out of if we so choose. So boundaries are those permeable types of things that kind of adjust to the, to le- the level of safety of a person. They adjust to who I'm with, where I'm at. And so they, they are encapsulated, encapsulating my value system. So in our relationships, we need to set and stick to reasonable, healthy limits in all our relationships. This is a prerequisite for love and, and to make relationships work. So having boundaries simplifies my life. We need to know how far we'll go, how far we will allow others to go. And once we understand this, we can go anywhere. So if you were raised in a dysfunctional home, you may have a problem recognizing what your own boundaries are. You may have grown up in an environment where boundaries were very confusing. It was hard to identify maybe the respective roles of mother and father, hard to know what was appropriate, what wasn't appropriate, what the rules were. Maybe the rules changed from day to day. Maybe what were the limitations of good taste? What was inappropriate behavior? So now that we're adults, we have to decide what is reasonable and whether or not we are violating someone else's rights. So this idea, when we're looking at boundaries, I like to use another way to explain this. The, the New World Dictionary defines a boundary as any line or marking a limit or a border. So we use this phrase boundary issues to describe primary characteristics many times of codependency. And, and we've had a show on codependency where we can understand that the more codependent I am is usually indicative of a lack of boundaries. So this means that a person has a difficult time defining where he or she ends and the other person begins. So this process of recovery, we learn that we are no longer willing to mindlessly lose everything for the sake of a relationship, appearance, or something in the name of love. So we learn to make appropriate choices concerning what we're willing to give in our relationships and what we're willing to receive. So having boundaries does not complicate life. It may be difficult. It certainly may be difficult. But boundaries simplify our life. Because we need to know how far we're going to go and how far we allow others to go. So growing up many times in a home, if you had a home where there was chemical dependency or other compulsive disorders, this often results in having no boundaries or having boundaries with holes in them or having built walls instead of boundaries. So sometimes we protect ourselves as we are growing up with walls only to come to the place where the walls come down, leaving no boundaries. And then we are very, very vulnerable. So we have gone from one extreme to the other, but the goal in recovery here is and healing when we are becoming our own best version. This is part of developing healthy boundaries, not too pliable and not too rigid. So children may have weak or non-existent boundaries if they were emotionally or physically neglected or abandoned. And you have to remember that as children grow up, they begin to understand the difference between this is me and that's them. And they learn what boundaries are. Children that are very young absolutely have no boundaries whatsoever. This is why they are so easily abused or invaded or manipulated. So abuse and humiliation or shame damages boundaries, and it leaves gaping holes where the violation occurred. So as adults, we're going to be more vulnerable to invasion in that area until we repair and strengthen that part of our border or that boundary. 
So if I was abused or shamed, humiliated, if people were inappropriate with me, those ways that they were created those holes in, those, in that boundary that makes invasion, that makes abuse very easy to, to sneak in. And I, I, might be, I might have an incident and go, now, why did that happen? How did I let that happen? Why did that person do that to me and I didn't stop it? Or why did I transgress that person? And what, why I wasn't controlling myself? So we have to understand this whole idea of repairing boundaries and also establishing boundaries. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and we are going to talk more about boundaries, the purpose of boundaries, the description, the types of boundaries, and how we're going to implement them in our life. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and today we are talking about boundaries. What boundaries are, why we need them, how to implement them. So what we want to remind ourselves again is boundaries provide us with protection. It's like, you know, you don't want to live in a vacant lot. That wouldn't be very safe where people are walking through the, you know, the vacant lot and you're trying to live there. Not a very safe place to have showers if you're in a vacant lot. It would be ridiculous. So boundaries are like the walls of a house, or like I was describing in the previous segment, the wall, like the walls in my office. So there's three walls, and then there's a wall with a door. And so boundaries allow us to come and go. They are permeable, and so they are not walls. Walls are immovable, and bringing walls down can be very difficult and very painful. So boundaries are also limits. This is, this is how far I shall go. This is what I will or won't do for you. This is what I won't tolerate from you. That's how boundaries set those limits. And we talked previously that boundaries are an issue of self-control. So it's about me controlling me, not about me controlling the external world or people. So boundaries are invisible symbolic fences. They keep people from coming into our space and abusing us and vice versa. And so they, they help me to know who I allow in and how close I allow them in. And we're going to talk later about how that really is implemented in all those different areas, our socially boundaries, physical boundaries, intellectual boundaries. Um, we talk about um, psychological, emotional boundaries, and spiritual boundaries. So boundaries give us a way to embody a sense of who we are. So it tells us who we are. That, that's part of that when I talked about that glass that contains water. Boundaries contain me because I don't want to be going everywhere so that people are having to contain me. I don't know if you know what that feels like when you have to be around someone that you're trying to contain. And it's very difficult if it's an adult that you're trying to contain. So when we're in a place, um, when boundaries are in place, they're going to protect our thinking, our feelings, and behaviors, and they're going to enable us to take responsibility or to be accountable. So what happens is we stop blaming others for what we think, feel, and do. And we also stop taking responsibility for the abusive feelings and behaviors of others. This allows us then to stop manipulating, controlling those around us, and and it causes us to then not be controlled and manipulated as well. So when I have good boundaries, I know that my behaviors are appropriate. So if somebody has a problem with that behavior, then that boundary helps me to know I'm not going to take in that feeling of their upset or their discomfort. I'm not going to feel guilt or shame because I know that I did the right thing. And I did what I needed to do to protect me. 
And so that this is one of the ways I keep out other people's feelings because part of what happens when people don't have good boundaries is they want to give us their feelings. Or if I don't have good boundaries and I don't know how to deal with my own feelings, I want to give my feelings to you and have you fix them. And this is how we get that codependent issue. So it also helps if I know how far I will go, then I know what my word no means. And it means no. I am not then able to be manipulated or controlled by other people. Because once I allow anyone to manipulate or control me, I'm going to have not only shame, but a lot of resentment. And that causes that relationship and any intimacy to be lessened dramatically. So what we also see is that without our own boundaries, we can't be aware or sensitive to the boundaries of others. So the better my boundaries are, the more that I recognize if someone else has a boundary and I respect it. I also recognize when someone doesn't have a boundary. And so if I have good boundaries, and my, like we talked, my, those val, the, my value system is protected by boundaries, then even if someone doesn't have a boundary, I'm still going to control myself. So if they give themselves license to act how, in whatever manner they seem fit for that moment, if they are even willing to let me manipulate them or willing to let me um, take advantage of them, my value system and that boundary says, I don't do that. So even if you would let me take advantage of you, I'm not going to because that's who I am. That's the authentic me. So when boundaries are intact and flexible, we can have intimacy in our lives. Because we're protected against being abused physically, sexually, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. And so when we don't have functional boundaries, we are then exposed to those opportunities for resentment to occur. Because when I don't have good boundaries, I'm going to feel more out of control. I'm going to feel easily controlled by others. I'm going to feel much more sensitive because I'm going to take things more personally. Because I don't know where I end and they begin. And so I lose track of who I am. That's why boundaries are so imperative when you're wanting to have deep intimacy. So as we talk about types of boundaries, we have this idea of external boundaries and internal boundaries. Or you can think of covert and overt. And so in the physical world, that's that external. This has a lot to do with what am I going to do with my body? How am I going to protect my body? What am I going to use my body for? And then in the physical or external world, how am I going to act? So when I'm in a social arena, how am I going to act physically? How am I going to show politeness? How am I going to show decency? Boundaries have a lot to do with how I dress, how, what, what I wear, what I wear to certain places. And so boundaries are about me expressing the authentic me. So if I don't have good physical boundaries, if I have been sexually abused in the past, then what happens is that boundary to say no is removed from, from that child. From that point forward... They have a very difficult time saying no sexually to anybody. Or they do the opposite, which is the wall, and they don't say yes to anyone on anything when it comes to sexuality. And so we see that when people are healing from sexual abuse, one of the things that we're going to want to do is repair that boundary. And if it isn't there at all, we're going to then erect an appropriate boundary. So the internal is I cannot hear who you are or hear what you think or share who, without my internal boundary. And so I can't figure out who you are if I don't know who I am internally. So a sign, signs of a lack of internal boundaries are like sarcasm, blaming, controlling, manipulating behavior. When our internal boundary is not in place, we believe we're responsible for making someone feel, think, or do anything. So there's two extremes to this. I give myself permission to tell you what I think 
feel, do, or not. Or I believe that I must tell you, uh, that you must tell me everything you think, feel, and do or not do. And so if I don't have good internal boundaries, I don't know when to stop. And so I may say too much. I may say too little. I may be saying it in sarcastic manners. I may be using passive-aggressive ways of communicating, um, talking in code or, or, or hoping someone gets the subtle cue of what I'm really saying or what I'm not saying. And so internal boundaries have a lot to do with how I'm managing my internal world and what I'm going to then let out of that internal world. And so it's very important. What we have is there, there's three exceptions, of course, to this. And that's that parents, they certainly are responsible to influence their child's reality. And so when they exhibit dysfunctional things, parents are going to go incorrect. It's also a therapist's job to tell a client if his or her thinking or feeling or behavior is skewed. You also want to ask for an, a, an opinion about your reality. And the person then has permission to tell you. So we want to really be practicing those healthy boundaries when it comes to internal and external dialoguing. So what happens when we have no boundaries? Well, then we don't have a sense of being abused or being abusive because we talked about we have trouble saying no or protecting ourselves, and we also allow others to take advantage of us. That's what happens when we have no boundaries. If we have damaged boundaries or there's a hole, holes in it, these are the times of certain people we can say no and set, and other times or other people we can't. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and we're going to talk more about types of boundaries, descriptions, how to implement them so that we can have the intimacy with relationships that we desire. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and today we are talking about boundaries. What boundaries are, how to implement them, why they are necessary, how to know if we don't have them or if someone else is lacking boundaries. So we were talking about types of boundaries, and we kind of left off on this idea of if we have no boundaries. If we have no boundaries, then many times we don't even know we're being abused, and we also don't know if we are being abusive or being inappropriate. And so if we have damaged boundaries, when we have holes in the boundaries, like we may have somewhat a, a type of a boundary, but there's kind of holes in it. Th this is when there are times with certain people we can say no and set limits, and at other times with other people we can't. And so we don't know, why does this particular person seem really problematic to me when I'm trying to set limits, I'm trying to say no, and, and this person over here, I don't have a problem at all saying no. And a lot of that has to do with whatever's going on with that other person that, that is difficult to say no to. They may have lack of boundaries as well, and so they may not feel safe to say no to them. That could also be something that maybe triggers something that came from your past or something that you grew up with, a relationship style that, that is very familiar to you unconsciously. And so many times that's good information for us to say, why is it with this person or in this area of my life I'm having such a hard time setting boundaries? And so... We also understand that it, we're going to see that if we're hungry and angry, lonely or tired, that halt issue, we're going to also have much more difficult time setting boundaries. If I'm hungry, if I'm angry or anxious, if I'm lonely, and if I'm tired, it's harder many times to set boundaries. What about walls? Well, when you see walls, you're going to see maybe anger and niceness together. So you're going to feel someone being angry, but they're going to be using nice words. 
Or it's something like they continue talking even when you, you're politely trying to contribute. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or maybe they're practicing silence or fear. So they're retreating from others. And so they're observing rather than participating. Walls are when I'm trying to talk about a particular topic and they get, I get a lot of deflection. I get a lot of distraction from the person. Or I get stonewalling from them. They just simply won't talk about it or won't talk to me. So this is where you understand that that person is struggling with their own boundaries because they're having a difficult time probably talking about something that's uncomfortable. So when we look at the origins and the perpetration of unhealthy or no boundaries, how did that happen? Well, like we, we've talked about before, alcoholism and other compulsive disorders where there is a lacking in the use of limits. So they may be overly controlling in one area and then complete free-for-all in another area. So they push and step boldly across our boundaries. If we give in, we move our boundaries back until we can tolerate things we said we would never tolerate and do things we said we would never do. And so we kind of get that, that desire to set that boundary that says, hey, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't like that. Well, the more they push that and step over that boundary and the more that I'm willing to tolerate and move that boundary line back until the point it's almost non-existent, then I'm ending up tolerating things I said I would never do. And, and I'm doing things or saying things I never thought I would say or do. So I get this increased tolerance of inappropriate behaviors. <clears throat> this is what occurs when we are in families that have that alcoholic or compulsive disorders. They, they have those control issues themselves. So I'm going to have an increased tolerance for inappropriate behaviors. And that may reverse and that may become totally intolerant of even the most human behaviors. So I'm either too tolerant or I'm completely intolerant. So I'm either no boundaries or completely rigid. So in the beginning, we might make excuses for a person's inappropriate behavior. And toward the end, there is no excuse. But by that time, we may have had so much tolerance that we don't even know where to start to say no to that behavior. So we we not only tolerate unhealthy and inappropriate behaviors, but eventually we may convince ourselves these behaviors are normal. And so if you grew up in a highly abusive home, a home where there is substance abuse, chemical dependency, alcoholism, sexual abuse, any of these types of abuses, you're going to start to think that that's pretty normal and average. And so you're going to go out into the world into new relationships and not know that these things are inappropriate. I can't tell you how many times I've been in session, I've had to say to somebody, that is extremely abusive or that is extremely inappropriate what that person is doing to you. And they look at me and they say, really? And so they're having to learn a whole new paradigm of what's appropriate. So a lot of times these unhealthy patterns become so familiar that we don't even recognize when these things are happening. It's so pervasive it becomes unconscious. So whenever I don't have good boundaries, I can tell. I can't tell where reality starts and someone else's reality begins. So there's this individuation differentiation process, we call it, where the individual of me can't differentiate the individual from you. And so when I'm with someone and I don't have good boundaries and maybe they don't have good boundaries as well, I'm going to always feel anxious and out of control because I'm going to know intuitively at an unconscious, subconscious level, this is not safe. This is not good. And so when I don't have those good boundaries and can't tell where that starts or ends, then this is what we call enmeshment. Join me in the last segment. We're going to finish Boundaries. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia.
This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today as we are talking about boundaries. What boundaries are, how they originate, walls, boundaries, what's the difference between the two of those, and how important they are for our intimacy. So as we talk about recovery, you know, we were discussing in this last one what happens when I have no boundaries or if I don't have good boundaries, because then I can't tell where I end and you begin. And my reality blends with the other person. And I think I can tell the other person how to think, feel, and behave because he or she is an extension of me. And so, or, or I think they can read my mind or they think that they should read my mind. Because I'm reading that person's mind or thoughts. I'm making up stories about what I'm thinking, their feeling, or why they're choosing the behaviors. And so I start to then also morph my reality to fit theirs if I want less conflict or I'm thinking that gives me more intimacy when actually it's giving me what we call enmeshment. And that's that I need to be less of me in order to be in relationship with you. Or that other person feels that way, that I'm the one that's taking up all the emotional space and they're having to diminish to be in relationship with me. So when we're talking about this idea of recovery, where we're wanting to recover those boundaries that were either obliterated or broken down or never even established. We have to understand that boundaries must be taught because very small children have no boundaries and they have no internal way to protect themselves from abuse or to keep from being abused or being abusive toward others. So it's the parent's responsibility to protect, to respectfully confront that child's own abusive behavior if they're being inappropriate, out of control. And it is the protection confrontation by parents that eventually teaches children to have healthy, firm, but flexible boundaries by the time they reach adulthood. And so the majority of us did not get parents um, that were able to do that protection confrontation well. That's a very highly skilled, um, that, that in terms of interpersonal relationships. And many of us come from generation after generation after generation of people that are surviving. And so we don't want to bash our families. We just want to understand that they're teaching us the best they had And they're probably trying to be better than what they came from. So what happens is we get four basic kinds of impairment resulting from this experience of less than nurturing or parenting and caregiving. So we either get no boundaries, damaged boundaries, walls, or this moving back and forth from walls to boundaries. So we need to learn to set limits on what we shall do to and for people and what we will allow people to do and to and for us. So People we relate to need to know we have boundaries. We need to inform them that, that, that that's our responsibility. It isn't for them to always necessarily figure out. So we are advised against inflexibility, but need to understand our limits. So as we grow and change, we may not want to change our boundaries accordingly. So as we grow and change, we may also need to, uh, to adjust or address boundaries. So some examples of boundaries would be something like, I will not allow anyone to physically or verbally abuse me. I will not knowingly believe or support lies. I will not allow chemical abuse or criminal behavior in my home. I will not lie to protect you or me from your alcoholism. If you want to act crazy, that's your business, but you can't do it in front of me. Either you leave or I'll walk away. I will not use my home as a detoxification center for recovering alcoholics. I'm not going to finance a person's chemical abuse um, or alcoholism or any of those other irresponsible behaviors. So you can spoil your fun, your day, and your life. That's your business. But I won't let you spoil my fun, my day, or my life. 
Now, those are basic boundaries when we're dealing with anyone that has substance abuse or addictions. But we can also use those in all the different areas of our lives. And so clues to some boundaries we may need to set, things we're sick of, like I can't stand, or things that I'm making threats about. So people may get angry with us for setting boundaries because they can't use us anymore. They may try to make us feel guilty so that we will remove our boundary. We will be tested. You have to understand we will be tested, and others will see if we're really serious, especially if we haven't meant what we said in the past. Remember, that's what we started the show with. Does my no mean no? Does my yes mean yes? Do I mean what I say? Do I say what I mean? So empty threats always reduce our credibility. You have to stick to boundaries and enforce them. You have to be consistent because they're going to be tested. And setting limits and boundaries, this takes time and effort. And it's difficult. It takes energy to enforce them. So we have to be careful that we're doing good self-care in order to maintain those healthy boundaries. And so I need to watch my level of tolerance so the pendulum doesn't swing too far in either extreme so that I'm not completely intolerant or tolerate everything. So if the person has acted abusively or transgressed our boundaries for whatever reason, and they're not willing to establish and maintain boundaries for themselves, we can use our own discernment in who we choose to be with, what type of organizations we want to be affiliated with, type and amount of information we share with any of these people or with anyone. We have the right to determine how much time to spend with that person or what type of activities to do with them. And so if the person has acted abusively or transgressed our boundaries for whatever reason, we can stop giving information to them. We can keep them out of our lives. We can choose to spend less time with them. So you want to use the I format when talking and listening when using the internal boundaries. So when I'm practicing internal boundaries, which is my, my emotional, psychological, intellectual world, I'm expressing with I statements. So I'm going to be using the I feel and state my feeling when you and state their behavior so that I don't get into character assassination, name calling, high emotionality, and just venting. So we need to practice, practice, practice. That's one of the hardest things. When impaired boundaries are being victimized in a relationship, the intimacy then is blocked. It makes it very difficult to connect with people when our boundaries are, are impaired and when there's any kind of abuse going on or inappropriate um, relating styles. So it's important that as we're setting these boundaries, I'm going to give you some tips about setting boundaries because it's, it's impaired to understand how these are very difficult to do and they're difficult to maintain, but they are imperative for our own authenticity and our own health. So one of the tips for setting boundaries, the first one is I want you to understand that when we decide to set a limit with someone, we do it clearly without anger if possible and in as few of words as possible. It's very important that a boundary is simple, as simple as you can make it. Because that way, if it's met with any manipulation, any coercion, any um, pressure or control from the other person, you're going to know very clearly what your boundary is. So that's something like, I refuse to talk to you when you use that language. It's a very simple boundary. And I keep saying that boundary over and over again. And I may say at the end of that, and if you choose to use that language, I will walk away. Second, we can't set a boundary and take care of another person's feelings at the same time. And this is hard for those of us that are tender-hearted, that are relationally driven, that we really want to get along with people. We don't ever want to hurt anyone's feelings. We have to understand that I can't set a boundary and take care of that person's feelings at the same time. 
So I'm probably going to feel ashamed and afraid when I set the boundary, but do it anyway. If I'm feeling ashamed and afraid, that always comes from previous abuse, either within that that relationship or other relationships. So anger, rage, complaining, and whining are clues to boundaries we need to set. So these are the things we say we cannot stand, and those, those things are maybe the areas that are screaming for boundaries. So if I'm getting more resentful, more angry, more frustrated, and I start whining or complaining, I probably need to set a boundary somewhere. And then like we talked earlier, we will be tested when we set boundaries. So plan on it. It doesn't do any good to set a boundary until we're ready to enforce it. So the key is not convincing others that we have limits. It's convincing ourselves. And that's important. It isn't about whether or not that person believes the boundary. It's about whether I believe it. And I need, I need to be very clear with myself that this is truly the boundary that I am setting. And I am not needing to convince or talk somebody into it. If that's the case, I don't have a boundary. That's, that's, that's right there information that I'm, I'm being boundaryless in that way. So understand that when we set a boundary, we only can do it when we're ready. So not a minute sooner. We will do it in our own time. And that is because it is connected to our growth, not someone else's. And so it's important when we are setting boundaries that I don't set a boundary until I know I'm ready. Because I don't want to lose credibility. I may, But at the same time, if you haven't been good about keeping boundaries, you may need to reestablish them. And you can say to that person, you know, I've gotten really lax. And I've gotten really tired, and I have let this boundary down, and I need to reestablish it. And this is the new, this is it, the same boundary. And that may be about, like we used it earlier, language. You know, I started tolerating it because I got so tired of fighting about it, but I need to reestablish that boundary. I will not accept that type of language around me. And so there, there is a fun side to setting boundaries. Besides what, what hurts and doesn't work, we also learn to identify what gives us peace and joy. And we also feel that peace because we are more in control of ourselves, not because we are needed to control the outside world. That's always going to make us feel crazy. So the other thing that helps when we're setting boundaries is I'm going to give you some basic human rights. This helps us to kind of know that this is appropriate and acceptable for me to be asking or requiring this. So the first one is I have the right to make mistakes and to be imperfect because we know that we cannot learn without making mistakes. So I have the right to refuse a request without having to feel guilty or selfish. It also means I don't have to explain. I simply can just say, no, I'm not able to come. Or no, I don't really want to do that tonight. I have the right to refuse that request. And I, and I don't have to feel guilty, even if that person is let down. And I don't have to feel selfish for saying no. I have the right to judge my own behavior and take responsibility for my actions. That doesn't mean that if we are doing overtly abusive behavior, covert abusive behavior, that that absolutely has to be addressed. And so that's another boundary I would set with someone. But if somebody is not liking my behavior, and I'm knowing that it has nothing to do with morality or criminal or abuse or inappropriateness, that they simply aren't getting what they want when they want it, or maybe they can't manipulate me, then I'm going to judge my own behavior and I'm going to take responsibility for the actions that I'm doing. I also have the right to offer no reasons or excuses for justifying my behavior. So if I said, no, I don't, I don't want to go to that event and I don't show up, I don't have to justify and explain that behavior. I can say, I told you, no, I'm not going. I also have the right to change my mind. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we want to be flaky people because that doesn't help anybody. That means that I'm struggling knowing me or having a lack of my own boundaries. But I do have the right to say, you know, I put some thought into this and I think I would like to go. Or I put some thought into this and I'm not comfortable going. Or at this point, I'm too exhausted. I'm sorry that what's happening in my day has caused me to be too tired for me to go tonight. And so I don't have to justify that. I also have a right to feel and express feelings, including anger, as long as I don't violate the other's rights. I also have a right to be competitive and to achieve. I have the right to enjoy rest and leisure, and I don't have to feel guilty about that. That is a basic human need as well. I have a right to have my needs considered as important as others. That's a really good indicator of a boundary, lack of boundaries or codependency, is if I think that your needs are more important than mine. I have the right to arrange my own priorities. I have a right to have my opinions respected. doesn't mean that we have to agree, but we do need to respect what others think and what their opinions are. I also have the right to be independent. I have the right to say I don't know. I have the right to say I don't care. No, I'm not going to say that in an abusive manner, but I can say, you know, I, really, I don't have any concern about that. I don't care about that. That's, that's not relevant to me. I have the right to get what I pay for. And I have the right to ask information from professionals, which is more important every day as our, all of our health care and the way we do health care has changed. So I have the right to decide when to be assertive. I don't have to be assertive every time. But I have to make sure that my lack of assertiveness isn't because I don't want to set a boundary. I also have the right not to be responsible for others' attitudes or feelings. So I hope this was helpful for you today. Because again, we're talking about boundaries and the need to have healthy boundaries in order to have healthy relationships. And I can tell you, God has great boundaries. He is no really means no, and his yes really means yes. And we really can depend that on what he says, that he really means what he says, and he says what he means. So we, we can practice from God that need for boundaries and how to put them in place. Thank you for listening today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate and spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can hear a replay anytime at KPXQ1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ.